Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Well, welcome, especially to those that are in Cambridge today and Bury St. Edmunds and online. I'm actually in Colchester with C3 Colchester to celebrate their first anniversary. C3 Colchester will be going for one year and we rejoice with them. When it comes to preaching and teaching, there are many different approaches that churches take. Uh, the three main ones that I've observed are, are these. Firstly, there's prophetic preaching. That's when someone says they have a word from God. They sense God is saying this. They often use a term like a rhema word, a now word. And that's a great way of doing a series and preaching a prophetic sense of what God is saying. Another method that's, that's applied is that, that of thematic preaching. We do this here in C3 a lot, where the speaker or speakers take a theme and unpack that theme from the scriptures over a period of time. This, as I say, tends to be an emphasis we do here at C3, and this too is good. It could be on holiness or marriage or um, wisdom, and we just delve into that theme. The third way is what's called systematic or expository preaching. This is when someone takes a passage from the Bible, whether it be a book or, or just a section, and we go verse by verse, line by line, chapter by chapter. And then we unpack in that way expository, systematic preaching. Now, my encouragement to you would be don't determine the veracity of the preaching by its method. Rather, always look where is it rooted. And as long as those three methods, and there might be others, are rooted in the scripture, then that will bring about change. Because the Bible's very clear it's His word. There is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's his word which is active and alive. This is Hebrews 4.12. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul, spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So it matters where it's rooted. And a testimony can be rooted in the scriptures and in the cross of Christ and all he's done, which can have effect on us. It was David Watson who many years ago said this um, about the spirit and word. We, we like to say here at C3 that we are a spirit and word church. We don't want to divorce the two. They belong together. And he used to say this, if we're all word and no spirit, we dry up. If we're all spirit and no word, we blow up. But both word and spirit, we will grow up. And I'm saying that because... As we go into this new series starting today, we're actually going to do an expository series. We're going to take a book from the Bible and we're systematically going to work our way. This will take us right the way up till Christmas. Of course, there's a few Sundays in between. There's quite a few Sundays where we've got guest speakers and we like to give them free hand. But right up till before Christmas, we'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1 through to the end, five, five chapters. It's the book of Peter we're going to look at. Martin Luther described this as one of the grandest of the New Testament. And so we're going to dive into this grand book. My encouragement to you would be 
read it through the week. Why not get involved in small groups looking at it together? And we've adapted this series with permission from Mountain Springs Church in Colorado with our good friend Daniel Rolfe, who's actually going to be teaching one of the weeks in this series. And we're using that material and adapted it to our, our, our context here. So let's read, and wherever you are, why don't we do this? If you're online, you're in Cambridge, Bury St. Edmunds, anywhere else in the world, to honour the Word of God, we do this every so often, why don't we stand together while I read the first 12 verses from 1 Peter chapter 1. Come on, let's stand. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is already to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not them serving themselves but you when they spoke of things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Please take your seats and let's start our dive into this beautiful book. Over the next couple of months, we'll, we'll establish um, a, like a catalogue as we work through here. And all of the messages will be related to this theme. It's the now and not yet of scripture, of the kingdom. The now and not yet. Let me say what I, what I mean by that. We live in between time. We live in between the time when Jesus came and he inaugurated the kingdom of God and we live in between the time when he will come and he will consummate the kingdom of God. So that's his first coming and the consummation is his second coming. And we live in between, we're wedged in between those times. So theologians call this the now and not yet. We're in the kingdom, the kingdom has come and yet in all its fullness, it's not yet arrived. And what that means for us practically is this. We see miracles today because the kingdom has come. And yet sometimes we also experience pain. 
It means that while we pray for life, and we always should, we also grieve death because it still happens around us. While we can walk in forgiveness and experience joy, we still cry and mourn and loss. And while we can believe for breakthrough in this world, we still suffer in these mortal bodies. So the kingdoms come, yet there's still more for us to experience. Part of the reason uh, we wanted to do this series is a very pastoral one. A lot of people struggle to have an understanding of how to live well in this in-between time. Because it's, it's like we fall into these ditches either side. And a lot, and this, you can see this in some of the songs that are sung, a lot of people have what's described, and don't be put off by this uh, theology, it's important for us, they have an over-realized eschatology. That is, they think that the things that are determined for the age to come, because we can taste of those in this present age, they'll say things like, but we can, we, we can live totally free from sickness. And I've heard people say, you know, we don't need to live in, in any kind of lack or in poverty because the kingdom's come. And that's true, but it doesn't take into place the age in which we live. It doesn't take into place the sovereignty of God. And it doesn't take into place the fullness of the consummation that's yet to come. We live in between. And so some people get frustrated and they have this over-realized eschatology. Eschatology, I should have said this, is the study or understanding of the things, the last things, the end times. I'm reading some great books at the moment. This is a good one, easy to read. The End Times Again, 2,000 of Years of Use and Misuse of Biblical Prophecy by Martin Whitlock. Great book. Another one here, this is much easier to read by Pete Hughes, All Things New. I like the subtitle, Joining God's Story of Recreation. And if you really want a fantastic book, but it's harder to read, this one, A New Heaven and a New Earth, Reclaiming Biblical Eschatology by Richard Middleton. And these books talk about having a healthy view of the end times. But an unhealthy view, and this is where, by the way, the prosperity gospel comes from, that we can get rich and, li and live a total... Uh, free from any sickness or, or, or any lack. This is where prosperity comes from, gospel comes from, which isn't truly a full gospel. Now, that's one ditch. The other ditch is that we have an under-realized eschatology. So people kind of live fatalistically. Oh, what will be, will be, as though the kingdom hasn't come where it has in Christ. As though we haven't got an access to a God who's an interventionist God who hears and answers prayers and heals the sick. And we can cast out demons and we can preach the gospel of salvation. And he can provide miraculously for us financially so as that we don't have to live in want. It, it can happen. The kingdom has invaded. Not in all its fullness, but it can happen. And what Peter is really about and the chapters that follow, what we read and what, is, what we will read in future weeks is how to live in this tension, how to live in these times so as we don't fall into the ditch there or the ditch here of over-realized or under-realized, we bring in the kingdom, but when there's things we can't explain, we have a sufficient understanding and, and uh, insight of what it means to live in this tension. So that phrase you'll hear a lot over these next few weeks, the now and not yet. So let's 
quickly, time's going. Uh, just ask, what's the why behind Peter writing this book? Well, it was written to churches like ours or to Christians who are living in similar times to what we're living up. Our, and I don't like to say this, but it's true, our post-Christian culture is very like their pre-Christian society that Peter was writing to. Very soon after this, already starting, was a persecution. In fact, Peter is writing this from Rome, what he calls Babylon in, in chapter 5. But he's writing from Rome, and eventually Peter's going to lose his life through the persecution that's coming. But there's this, this, this hostility that's happening towards Christians just because they're aligning with Christ. Welcome to the UK, hey, in 2022. And so Peter is writing this letter to those who are facing oppression and shame simply and only because they identified that they believed in Jesus Christ. And these verses that I read, verse 12, these first 12 verses, it's like Peter goes up to 33,000 feet and he gives this panoramic view of salvation and how the prophets looked into it in the past, how the angels look into it in, in the present, longing to experience what we experience. And they've looked at this great big plan, this great big purpose of God. And he starts by saying who he is, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Let, let me just say, Peter gets a lot of bad rap sometimes from people. We talk about him, you know, opening his mouth before engaging brain or putting his foot in it because it does seem like early on he was impulsive in the way he was with Jesus. But we don't really know that. We don't have enough to know about Peter to know he was like that. And let's not lock him into a box. And this book and the other book that he was responsible for are not the thoughts of an impulsive man any longer. He's clearly been a changed man by encountering Jesus. And I just want to say that at the beginning. Let's not lock Peter into this impulsive, hot-headed man. And let's do that for one another. By the gospel, by the presence of the Spirit, we can all change. We're not the same people we were last year. And we can keep on being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And I think Peter is a man who's been transformed by meeting with Jesus. And he, he says, this is who I am, apostle. The word apostle simply means sent one. He's the one that ultimately, Jesus said, on this rock, the rock of revelation, when he spoke to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Peter was an important foundational apostle in the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 14, he stands up with the other disciples and he preaches the gospel. And 3,000 are added. This guy is used, and even the Roman Catholic Church to this day would go back to Peter and say he's foundational to their church. And we believe he was a foundational apostle, one of the apostles of the Lamb. And then it says this is who he is writing to. He is writing to the God's elect strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. So he's writing to those that have been dispersed, those that have gone far and wide away from Jerusalem, away from uh, any central location by way of the gospel. They're, they're all over the place. They're scattered. They, they're in exile. That's the word that he uses, strangers, God's elect strangers. The word used in other versions is those in exile. And he's using that word purposefully. 
because he's trying to draw on Old Testament imagery of exile and that they too are in exile. We'll see as we explore the book. He's basically saying to them, you're not really a home in this world. You're a stranger. You don't belong to this world system. You're living in between the times. You're on this earth right now, but your citizenship is actually in heaven. You belong to the, the you're part of the people of God. You belong to God. This Jewish diaspora is what the exile was known as into foreign lands. And these people, they're in exile because their citizenship is in heaven. And he uses that because exile in the Bible is a picture or an image that's used of a growing of faith, of a, of, of a time when you are on a journey in your faith. You're not completely at home here. There's somewhere else that you're going and you're journeying in faith. I hope we never get accustomed to living here in this world. I don't know whether it's to do with my age. I don't know what it is, but the longer I've lived, the less at home I feel here. There is something, there is difference about us by the Spirit of God, what we're going to look at in a moment, by our identity in Christ that causes us to be different than the world around us and therefore not fully a home. That's why I think in the book of Revelation, after we've had this vision of what heaven will look like, it says the Spirit and the Bride say, come. There's something in us longing for something more. And he says these three things. Um, we just look at verse 2. He says, You are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ sprinkled by his blood. Trinity. Notice the Trinity there. You, you're chosen by the Father. The Father chose you. Now this is a huge subject we're not going to address today, but it says there by the foreknowledge of God. Foreknowledge has to do with God's cho choosing, God knowing ahead of time those that would be his. I think we just have to live with this tension that there is a sovereignty of God, but there's a responsibility of man. But you can't get away from this in the scriptures. Even in your mother's womb, he knew you. He chose for you to live in a Cambridge or a Colchester or a Bury St. Edmunds, wherever you're living, listen to this. He knows you're coming and you're going. He's ordained your steps. He knew when you would hear the gospel and respond to it. In other words, you are not an afterthought. With God, you are a forethought. And so he knew that you would respond to the gospel because of the foreknowledge of God the Father. Then it says that we've been chosen through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Sanctifying means set apart. The Holy Spirit comes into us when we come into faith in God and the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out and sets us apart. You are different if you're a child of God. We don't belong in this way because this Spirit who's saying come is living in us. The Spirit and the Bride say come. According to the foreknowledge of God and according to the sanctifying work of the Spirit. And then it says this, this phrase here, for obedience to Jesus Christ. You and I can obey Jesus and his commands because of that sanctifying work of the Spirit and because we've been chosen by God to do so. And then it uses that phrase there, and the sprinkling by his blood. Again, that's going back into Old Testament imagery, particularly in Exodus, where there was this occasion where the, 
the blood of oxen was sprinkled on the people of God. And this was basically saying to them, now you are owned by God. We are his people. And this is something Peter talks about. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, chosen, belonging to God. And that's what it's talking about, the, the ownership that the blood of Jesus Christ secures for us so that we are his. And so there's that threefold Trinitarian introduction there that we are chosen by the Father, sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. These two verses are so crucial to the understanding. This is our identity, brothers and sisters. This is who we belong to. We're God's. He's our Father. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are belonging to Jesus Christ by his blood. This is our identity. And so what Peter then does, he, he makes this exclamation after he's made that, that statement. He says, praise be to the God and Father, verse 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. And that's what Peter is primarily about, this living hope. This new birth that has birthed hope in us, even if we face tough stuff. That's what the rest of the passage goes on about. If you're going through tough stuff, stuff, your faith is being refined, but don't forget you have this living hope. And the way that living hope is guaranteed is through the resurrection of Jesus. Praise be to God the Father, our Lord Jesus. That's why he then exalts it. The power and the presence of God has taken up residence in us through the finished work of Christ and through the resurrection. This is what N.T. Wright, theologian, says. He says, becoming a Christian means that what God did for Jesus at Easter, he does for you in the very depth of your being. Question to you. Are you a person of hope? We need hope transfusions right now. We're living in a world that's lacking hope. As it looks into the future, what is the hope? We have a living hope. But it's so tough and it's so hard and it's so uh, suffering and all these kind of... You have a living hope. This is the promise that we have. Something you can build your life upon. He talks in the passage as it goes on that we have this inheritance that we can, an inheritance that's guaranteed. Again, drawing on Old Testament language, they had the inheritance of the land which they lost through their sin. And now he's drawing on that same kind of picture. There is, there, there is if we follow the way, there is promise of a great inheritance. God's grace is bigger. It won't disappear. It won't fall away. It lasts forever. This is revolutionary, honestly. If we can see our identity as who we are in God, not an afterthought, but a forethought, that we belong to the Father, that we're sanctified by the Spirit, that we're washed in the blood of the Lamb, nothing can pluck us out of his hand. We may go through tough seasons, but we have this living hope. As I close, I just want to say practically, to, to his listening. Stoke your hope. Remember the promises of God. Don't let hope fail. We live in this in-between time, so it's not all revealed to us yet. We know that. So don't get angry with God when it doesn't feel that it's working out as you think it should. 
No, he owes you nothing, yet he's given you everything. Trust in him. Don't, don't have a hissy fit with God. God hasn't done what I wanted him to do. We live in a fallen world. There's things we can't explain. But we know this, there's a living hope that is guaranteed in Jesus. I want to pray for those of you that are struggling with hope right now. I want your hope to rise. And it's all in the finished work of Jesus. And I want to pray for you, some of you, you're feeling angry at God. Don't be angry at God. Trust in him because it's a living hope. There's still promises that we have yet to see fully worked out in our lives, but the guarantee of them is the resurrection of Jesus. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for everyone listening within the sound of my voice. I pray that they would know this amazing hope in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that we would, even if we go through all kinds of life circumstances, even if there's persecution, which we don't want to welcome, but we do want to walk through, I pray that we'll stand strong, knowing that we are in these in-between times. Your kingdom has come, but your kingdom will come. And in between, we will keep going and rejoicing. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I love the ending of this passage which says even angels long to look into these things. You see, the reality is as sons and daughters of God, we have greater blessings than any angel ever has. Oh yeah, angels are ministering servants and they do, but they look into these things and say, oh, if only we could experience, but they can't because they're not human beings. What these guys experience as sons and daughters of God. Boy, are we blessed. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.